Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan. On this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we welcome Kegel CEO Chris Chartrand. On this show, we talk about all things Kegel, what they are doing to help bowling during the COVID-19 pandemic, and share fun stories and experiences from Chris's career. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Matt and I would really appreciate it. If you really like what we're doing here and would like to support the show, head over to InsideBowling.com and check out our merch. We have licensing deals in place with some of the biggest brands in bowling and, of course, funny pop culture apparel as well. Check it out and use code IBSHOW to save 15% off site-wide. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio, and we apologize if at some point in the show you can't quite follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here it is, episode number 35, with the CEO of Kegel, Chris Chartrand. with gas today ladies and gentlemen let me tell you it's friday we're on an hour early and matt forgot we were on an hour early today and chartran was running late and uh i was my patented 10 minutes before the show firing everything up here and i've got a plethora a smorgasbord of things here on my desk that we're going to get to a little bit later in the show matt i love how quickly you can pull a show together yeah, man, uh, taking a taking a page out of the Mike Flanagan book. While you were here early and ready to go, uh, you are the king of chaos, the king of mastering chaos. So I, I took a page out of your book today, got all my ducks in a row here, and was able to fire the stream up in time. And of course, again today, I'm going to Johnny big time you oh, and boy. our guest, and I have to leave uh, about ten minutes before the program is over because I'm going to be on the Sport of Bowling show again today, and they have Brad and Kyle on. So it'll be Chad Murphy, Jason Thomas, myself, Brad, and Kyle. So happy Friday to everybody. You know we run an interactive program here today. And today our guest is going to be the uh, CEO of Kegel uh, down in Florida. And I've known Chris Chartrand for a long time. And he's been a huge supporter of what we've been doing here at Inside Bowling over the years to the point that they were official lane maintenance supplier of the Inside Bowling Tournament when we ran that. And they always made sure that they brought someone out. They even shipped in lane machines. And they did all of that because they wanted to make sure that my tournament was being um, held under a condition that was consistent lane to lane. And that's just what they do. They just help tournaments out. Not to say that everybody should write in and ask them to go help their tournaments. But uh, when you put in a lot of work and a lot of effort into trying to have a national event and you reach out to guys you have a relationship with, for them to do that, they didn't have to do it. And uh, I will always remember that. And uh, they will always be... um, number one in my book and I, I forget the number but like Doug Dukes and Gus Falgene and man the, the list goes on and on Mark Davis all these guys they go out and they work all these events like junior gold and things like that and you know those guys don't have to do that and and 
and they, they do it at a very affordable cost. So uh, hats off to them, everything they've done to innovate down there at Kegel. And today we're going to get into some things dealing with COVID-19 that they've been doing. And I can't wait to talk to Chris about it. I know they've been working hard down there. Matt, let's get to our um, our Bowler X poll question from yesterday. Uh, yesterday we had Bakes and uh, Jazz now on. And the question was, um, how many pins do you think your average would increase after a lesson with Mark Baker or Mike Jazz now? One to ten comes in first at fifty percent. Uh, Eleven and twelve pin or twenty pins, sorry, uh, thirty-three point nine percent. More than twenty, eight point five percent, and average wouldn't change six point eight percent. You said, Matt, yesterday, if anybody were to pick, average wouldn't change that they should just go jump off a cliff or something like that. No, no, Mike, no, Mike, no, Mike. Don't don't take my stuff and and take it to the extreme here. Okay, don't don't take my words out of context. What I said that we would ban them from the inside bowling show. A little bit different, a little bit different. So I'm going to have to go through the Twitter analytics to try to see if I can find out who voted for what and, uh, and ban some people on from our Twitter, from our, from our show. I mean, we, 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 we don't want you to buy our merch. We just don't want you. My guess is the people that voted for that are people like Stu Williams, Chris Barn, you know, guys like that. Guys that are in in denial is basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to be, you know, just, just, just to be those guys. That's probably who did that. That's so. fair. It's a good point. All right, today's Bowler X poll question. Uh, what do we have today, sir? So today's Bowler X poll question for the Inside Bowling Show is: Which of the following has impacted the sport of bowling the most? Evolution of equipment, new lane surfaces, new lane machines, or the evolution of human skill? Hmm, I like it. Yeah. Good one today with having Chris on. Uh, obviously, they've uh, they've got the lane machine down, that's for sure. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how our votes come in, and we'll update that on Monday. We are on episode number 35 here, Matt. Can you believe that? Seven weeks of the show. Seven weeks. we got one more week left to finish out our first 40 episodes that we are committed to, Mike. And uh, who knows? Who knows what we'll go after 40? Yeah, we really don't know everybody. This isn't like we're trying to like hype this up like we really know what we're doing. We really, we really have no idea. No, we have no idea what we're doing uh, moving forward. We ha- we have a business to try to um, turn around here <laughs> you know, <laughs> out of out of pandemic. And do we have three hours a day uh, plus booking guests and building graphics and using those resources to keep this show going? I just don't know. And if you want to reach out to us, give us your opinion on the show and things that we should do. You can hit us up at media at insidebowling.com, media at insidebowling.com. We've received, oh, I'd say 50, 60 emails from people that watch the show, and we do appreciate it very much. So, um, yeah. Anybody anybody that's out there that wants to maybe throw a $50,000 sponsorship our way to keep the show going as well, feel free. Uh, you know, that that could be at sponsorship at insidebowling.com uh, in all seriousness. So, you know, if you want to, if you like the show enough, you got some free money to throw around, we'll take it. That's the difference between me and you, Matt. I think I'd take 500. Um, but you've like, always taught me to shoot for the stars, Mikey. Yeah. You've always taught me to shoot for the stars. If we ask for 50,000 and we get 10, we'd be happy. That's true. No, that's definitely true. That's true. All right. Well, welcome everybody in today uh, that's watching uh, our early here on the program. Um, this guy, like I said, Chris Chartrand, who we're about to introduce here to the show, He's he's always been good to me, this guy. I think the first time I met him was at uh, in Reno. I think he was bowling nationals with uh, the Perushad brothers. Um, maybe Lacaz might have been on that team. I can't remember exactly. Uh, O'Neill was running around. I know that. 
Uh, I don't think he was bowling. I don't think he could bowl at the time or something. But uh, I think that's the first time I ever met Chris. And ever since, whenever we have a chance to to see each other or have a conversation, uh, we always do. And we always have good conversations. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's guest. We tried to get him on earlier. He wasn't ready. And he hit me up last week and said, hey, I want to be on this week. So, And he sent me a, a care package of a lot of products. We're going to have a little QVC uh, section today on the program. So with no further ado, let's bring in our guest today from Florida, uh, Chris Chartrand. Welcome to the program, brother. It's good to have you here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. You guys are doing great work. Yeah, thanks. Uh, what's going it on? Was, it was Matt McNeil was bowling with the Parishad brothers and us. We had Matt McNeil the year before he turned into the Open Championship Eagle winner for six years in a row. We had him the year before. Um, so yeah, the Parashad brothers and McNeil, they just had me on the team for free shirts. That was my role. I think maybe I can get some bowling balls to help out, but it wasn't for my skill knocking down bowling pins, you know, not, not quite as good as I used to be in college. Okay. Well, I've, I've always known you to be a guy that's got a nice full head of hair. And during this pandemic, you, uh, shaved the, the, the head. What, what was going on there? Yeah. I mean, most people grew their hair out. You know, it grew beards. I just, I was always curious. I knew that when I got older, that when I lost my hair, that I was going to shave it and tan it. So I was generally curious what my head looked like. You know, so when the whole pandemic thing started, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to see anybody for a few months. Now's a good time. So I talked my wife into it. I went and just kind of buzzed it short. So it was longer than this. And then she's like, well, if you're going to do it, just go for it. You know, so we took the razor out and went for it. And that's why I'm wearing sunglasses, because when I shaved and I have my brown glasses, everyone said I look like Tom Clark. And I don't want to confuse your audience and okay. think that, that Tom Clark is the guest. Now they might confuse me with maybe Ben Affleck, Jason Statham. Some of those guys might be confused. But I don't know. You know, the first couple of weeks, my wife thought I was a stranger living in the house. But now that like a little bit of stubble and I've gotten outside, gotten some sun, I'm getting used to it. I don't have any bad hair days. Are That's you still a, are you still maintaining it then? Are you you still? Yeah, I, well, the problem is, so I, I it was not the intent to leave it short. It was just to, to kind of do something goofy and see what it looked like. So I did it. What I didn't know was as it was growing back, I could really see the places where I'm going bald and losing my hair. And it, I entered this crazy, weird phase where I looked like a defected peach, you know, like I, it was growing long in some spots and not in others. And I looked ridiculous. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get through this phase. So it was bothering me. So I just kind of buzzed it short again. Now I haven't gone full razor super bald, but I've kind of gone to this like, you know, little stubble buzz look. It's growing on me. What do you think, Mike? I think you look like a badass, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, not as badass as uh, Doc Holliday behind me. He's the ultimate badass. In yeah. Wider. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's dig into this painting you have behind you and, and, and the story behind this painting. Well, I might, um, it's, it's good to have relatives that are in the art business. So my, uh, my aunt and uncle, uncle Howard and aunt Susan, um, they live down in uh, South Florida and they've had an art gallery for a lot of years. 
Um, so we, we bought this house last year, which has got some cool bowling stories. I think you might remember. Uh, we bought this house in April and uh, my aunt and uncle said, um, yeah, that we can have a piece of art as a gift for the house. So I like pop art. I think it's a lot of fun. My wife, though, when she sees pop art, that's kind of crazy and stuff. It She sees chaos. You know, she doesn't like uh, pop art as much as I do, but she's the biggest Tombstone fan in the world. It's like her favorite movie. So when my uncle showed me this piece, which was blended her favorite movie with pop art, it was a good um, common ground. So, yeah, it's a cool piece. It's um, it's a one of one. You know, it's not a poster. It's a one of one from an artist named uh, Sarah Vallo. I don't know him very well. My uncle tells me it's quite valuable. Something like, I don't know, 10, 15,000. So, but it looks cool, right? I mean, I've been in a million Zoom meetings over the last couple months. And it, it does say a lot to see what people have behind them. I mean, I see Matt's got his Team USA jerseys. You know, you've got you look like some bowling pins and yeah, Mike, some, where's your where's your where's your three hundred uh thirty pins over average banner or something? Yeah, it's a gateway classic banner where I won the tournament, 120 plus yeah. entries, and I happened to bowl three hundred that day banner. Yeah, Matt. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't have it hanging up. It's over it's over there. Oh. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people I haven't figured out how to do like the green screen thing where you pick the the background behind you, but you see, it does screw up for some people. It gets like that, that black halo where it looks mm-hmm. like they've got like that extra kind of thing of hair, but this is cool. This is different for a background piece. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Chris, just a quick story. Uh, when we first started the show up, we were like, Oh, it's got a green screen feature. This is so cool. We can mess around. We can have a cool green screen behind us. And Mike has a green screen. So he's like, let me set this up right here and we'll see how it looks and what we can do with it. Right. And so he's turned his green screen feature on. And he's like, oh, this is cool. It's great, whatever. Then we go to test the show. We have our initial test launched. Everything is shiny in Mike's background, and everything looks all jacked up. And where he's like, somebody help me in the comments. My camera's all messed up. Somebody help me. Tell me what to do, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it took him a couple of shows to realize that he had his green screen on still. And when you have your green screen on and not a green screen, it just jacks up the whole picture, and your camera looks, <laughs> looks terrible. So that's just a little another yeah. shot at Mike here because that's what I'm he likes s- me to do. I'm surprised Mike didn't have it perfected before he started. He's usually very well prepared. I'm getting yeah. old, man. I'm getting old. Yeah. That's the <laughs> you problem. guys are doing. I, I followed some of the shows. You guys are doing a lot of great work. It's just been an interesting thing in the industry to see a variety of these um, these you know podcasts and live stream shows have popped up. It's been a lot of interesting content been created in the bowling industry, which is been cool we 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 talked about it um but by the time we actually thought about it we were there were so many people doing it in that space you know we um we didn't think we could really add a lot of value and differentiate ourselves enough to where um the industry needed another one so being a guest on your show is plenty yeah it's a big deal let me tell you it is a big deal um but the Don Agent Show, I mean, you know, we've been doing that for a while. Um, those aren't live, but uh, yeah, we plan to continue doing that. That'll get started again. Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, Donnie's hilarious. It's a great, it's a great show. So we've got a few different things we need to do here today. Um, for those that don't know, you're the CEO of Kegel down in Florida, and yeah. folks that have heard of Kegel but really don't know what goes on in that building. Uh, and what you guys do down there. If we could get a Cliff Notes version of what Kegel does for the industry and what you guys do down in Florida, that would be wonderful. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, our real core business is lane maintenance. Um, you know, when I talk to people that aren't in the bowling industry, I, I point them to past the foul line. Most people are aware that there's oil or grease or whatever they call it, but uh, lane conditioner on the lane. And we manufacture the equipment that applies the conditioner to the lane and also, um, you know, the machine cleans the conditioner off the lane as well. Uh, we also make the conditioner and cleaner, the chemicals. Um, there aren't too many people that actually manufacture these type of lane machines. Um, and of the ones that do, we're the only one that also manufacture chemicals in-house. So really our core business, when you look at who we are as a brand and, um, and, and look at our revenue, lane maintenance is really kind of uh, who we are. Um, and, you know, something, John, John Davis is the founder. He started the company back in 1981. Um, and as we progressed as a company, you know, in the 90s uh, and into the 2000s, he really saw a big need for professional companies, people that had knowledge about lane conditions to go out and take care of some of our most important events around the world. So he volunteered his services to, you know, send lane machines in and send staff into tournaments uh, around the world. And it's just been something that we've done from that point forward for the last 25, 30 years, we've, uh, we've had crews all around the world taking care of some of the most important events. So um, we're partners with USBC to provide maintenance for all of their tournaments. Uh, you know, Junior Gold, I think you mentioned earlier, partners with uh, World Bowling, the Asian Bowling Federation, uh, the European Ten Pin Bowling Federation, um, you name it, you know, we've got people all around the world. In total, we do about, we've got people on site with lane machines and conditioners um, right at around 60 events worldwide. Um, so it's really quite a financial commitment um, to have staff all around the world. Um, it is, there's no question it, it delivers a marketing benefit to the brand, you know, to have people see our equipment there and see our patterns. <clears throat> it definitely drives demand for people wanting to practice on the products that they see in tournaments. So it's certainly a big part of our sales and marketing strategy, but the, the level of which we do it goes beyond just a marketing return. It's, it's definitely because um, we care so much about the sport and feel it's our responsibility to help the sport have a very balanced level playing field. We're unique in that um, some of the other companies that have equipment, they also make consumer products as well. We're kind of this independent to don't have a dog in the hunt entity, you know? So um, I think that's a part of what we deliver is not only the knowledge and the expertise, but also the perception too of that we really have, um, you know, no bones, no dogs in the hunt. You know, we're not, uh, we have no, we're not playing favorites in any way. Our goal always is to try to create an environment that understands the format and everything and tries to deliver uh, an environment that's as fair as possible for the athletes. So, um, and then, so that's kind of lane maintenance. So also Big John, uh, built the training center back in 1997. So we do have a facility where we coach bowling. We've got um, five coaches on staff full time. And, you know, when we started the training center in 97, the market wasn't clamoring for a bowling training facility. You know, there weren't signals financially that said, if you build one of these, you're going to get rich. You know, right, yeah. um, he did it because, again, he thought that the industry needed it. Uh, thought that if we built a place like that where people could get 
um, learn a lot about bowling and had really cool technology that uh, people would come. And, you know, over the last 23 years, the business has certainly grown and, um, um, you know, been successful for us. But I think we take the most pride in seeing other training centers that popped up around the world um, that have really kind of followed um, the lead that we set when we built the first one. So, you know, seeing a training facility in Hong Kong and uh, what they have down in, in Arlington and, and some other places, it makes us happy, you know, because the more places there are for bowlers to fall in love with our sport and get better and stay in love with our sport, the better it is for all of us long term. So, um, you know, we view all of those other training centers as really uh, allies in helping us, um, you know, help our sport long term. Um, and then I, the, one of the most recent things, I mean, there's there's a few others, but Specto has uh, really was born out of the training facility was a product that we, we introduced a couple years ago and has really uh, enhanced the, the telecast on the pro tour. You know, as a bowling fan growing up, I mean, I've been bowler since I'm five. Marshall Holman was my idol when I was younger. You know, I couldn't wait to watch bowling on Saturday afternoons. But as a big bowling fan, it gives me a lot of uh, personal pride and satisfaction seeing how the show has been enhanced using this technology that we brought to life. Um, it really, yeah, it makes me proud, makes me smile inside, you know? So, um, so the, yeah, that's Specto. And then we'll, we'll obviously talk about one of the other side projects that we've had uh, in addition to that, that was um, with some tablet manufacturing that we do outside of bowling. That's generally speaking who Kaggle is and what we're all about. Yeah, and you guys, you guys have about how many people that work for you down there? Hundred, about, yeah. about a hundred workers. And then you guys are also extremely um, connected with with uh, Weber International uh, College. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's funny how that happened. I mean, John Davis always thought that that'd be cool to to help a college bowling program, and uh, I have, I bowled a couple years at Florida State and had some eligibility left. I was looking to get my MBA. Weber's very very close. A few of us were talking about doing doing that at Weber at the same time, and we kind of joked like, hey, "Hey, we can bowl, you know? We'll be like team old school. We got some eligibility. We'll start a program." And uh, when Del Warren came in, you know, as one of kind of the crazy ideas that was on the board that we talked to him about, and uh, yeah, we we talked to the school, and one thing led to another. We certainly said, "Hey." I know what it was like when I bowled at Florida State. I mean, we, you know, didn't really have coaching. Oftentimes we had to fight for lane time. You know, I remember a week before we went to nationals, we got kicked off the lanes for practice for nationals because, you know, they did this dollar game special for the students and they didn't want the students to feel like they couldn't get on lanes because the bowling team. So we weren't a priority, you know, our, our practices were often, pot games and big rev contests and, you know, crazy things like that, you know, to see, uh, you know, you're talking about students going to college that really care a lot about bowling and you show them that they get to spend four years working on their game at the training center is a pretty appealing sales pitch. Um, from a recruiting point of view, it's, um, it's quite compelling and they've had some great results too. They've, they've brought in some incredible athletes and had some good results. So, yeah, we're we're certainly proud of what that um, Weber's been able to accomplish. Yeah, an international flavor there for sure. Some of the some of the greatest uh, female bowlers uh, of recent uh, pedigree, so to speak, coming out of that facility. Anybody stand out to you that's come through? I mean, so many great bowlers, but um, who who it's produced on the tours? 
Yeah, on the on the men's side, Marcelo stands out to me as just being a really incredible athlete, and uh, he's a really incredible person too. He's someone I spent a lot of time with and talked to a lot, and you know, seeing what he's gone on to do in life is cool. And and you know, a lot of the the female players, you know, Verity uh, and Daria have spent a lot of time uh, at the place. I mean, Verity was there today practicing. Um, so, you know, I've become kind of close friends with Verity. I just last week took Verity and, and Christus out shooting. Um, so, um, yeah, on the, on the lady side, you know, become good friends with a few of those. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think what's happened down there with you guys, I think a lot of people don't realize how much you guys had to do with that. And then of course, Dell has done an amazing job. He and Randy down there with making the program amazing national championships and everything. So just something from nothing that's been under the watch since Kegel's been involved in bowling down there. Yeah. It, it's um, it's been interesting for me to see. I mean, I bowled at Florida state uh, 96, 97, 98. And um, it's, I mean, I see a lot of the schools that are really competitive and I don't even know who these schools are, you know, I mean, back then there were some bigger, names school names you know with indiana and nebraska and wichita state and you know florida state had a decent team you know some of the school names that you see now i didn't even know that these colleges exist weber included you know um so i i found it fascinating and it makes a lot of sense for some of these smaller mid-sized schools to really um to uh, make bowling a real priority and and use it to kind of create an identity for the school i know Weber certainly is very proud of that. Uh, not a lot of people worldwide would know much about Weber International University if it wasn't for what they've accomplished um, in the bowling world. And I think that's true for, you know, other smaller schools, uh, mid-sized schools uh, around the country. It's been really cool to watch. Yeah. So I think the next thing that we need to do here is you sent me a care package. And we've got people in the chat. Don is actually asking what was in your package, Mike. And I think he's asking about the care package here just to keep everything uh, PG. Um, so I've got, I've got, got yeah, I've got these things right here that you sent to me ever so graciously. And, and I opened the box, but that's about all that I did. And I've got them all mm -hmm. sitting here. So you yeah. know what you sent me. And uh, mm -hmm. this is the chemical side of the business. And before we, we get to these products, I always said for the longest time, people said, Mike, what are you rooting for in bowling? And I, I always said, you know, Kegel makes their own chemicals down there in Florida. And they are not shy with, with divvying up money into bowling, even if it doesn't make economical sense. They're going to invest in bowling, whether they get a return or not. And I said, if Kegel could ever hit the jackpot on one of these chemicals and become the next Windex of the world or something like that, being completely novice to chemicals here. So, so take that for what it is. But if they ever hit the jackpot with some sort of household cleaner, bowling would be in a great spot because they would probably buy everything there is in bowling and just continue to reinvest. So when I got all these products sent to me here, um, I was like, uh Oh, here, here we go. You know? And, uh, and I guess we should go through them now. So I think, I think yeah. the first, the first item here that we wanted to look at was this, uh, this right here. It's in my hand. Uh, could you tell the folks what this, what this is right here? Yeah. That's our fission pet stain and odor remover. I'll tell you the story. I mean, it's really interesting. Um, our lane cleaner for bowling is five gallons and, um, you know, it's pretty heavy. I mean, it's 50 pounds and uh, a percentage of the, uh, the formula is water. 
and we're shipping products all over Asia and Europe and it's expensive to ship that stuff all over the world. So we had really wanted to come up with a super concentrate that didn't have, you know, the expense of shipping water all around the world. No one had tried a tablet up till that point. There you go. Well, I'm going to, I'm getting to that in a second. I just want to tell the story because it's very interesting how we got there. So we made a, we had to make a tablet lane cleaner and all of the other cleaning tablets that had existed up to that point all have um, an, a binding ingredient called magnesium sterate that would not dissolve in water. And in order to be used in our machines, it had to totally dissolve in water. So our chemist figured that out, figured out uh, how to make a cleaning tablet be bound together and also totally dissolve in water. And we launched that product in bowling. But our patent was on a cleaning tablet for any purpose that was completely water soluble. So we immediately started thinking of what are some of the other things that we could do. And one of the things that we discovered is the tablet, when it dissolves, it does release some CO2 and concentration and con CO2 is really, really effective at breaking down protein stains. So, you know, blood, wine, or anything that might come out of your animal, you know, uh, whether it be uh, vomit or urine. So we had this incredibly effective, um, you know, product for stains and odors. And so we launched in 2009 a, uh, a pet stain and odor remover called Fission. It's something that we've actually been selling outside of the bowling industry from 2009 until now. Hey, you want to hear a funny story? You'll like this, Mike. Right. So we're getting ready to launch Fission Pet Stain and Odor at Global Pet Expo in Orlando. It's February 62 degrees outside. It's beautiful winter Florida day. I've got my sunroof open. We're all excited. We're launching this product outside of bowling. It's a big, big moment for our company's history. I got the music playing, beautiful day. My hair is flowing. All that hair I had back in 2009 was flowing. And then it dawned on me that I'm about to spend the next three days talking to people about cleaning dog poop. Like I'm going to be doing demonstrations for three days later about how, well, first you pick up the poop and then you block the poop and then you spray the stain. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a dog poop cleaner salesman. Like, how did that happen? That wasn't my career strategy to become a dog poop cleaner salesman. But here I am. And there I was doing demonstrations about cleaning dog poop. But it works incredibly. You know, you have a lot of carpet in your house, Mike. Yeah. And you sent, I don't know if you remember this, but you sent me some of this. I used to have three dogs and two were senior yeah. citizens and they made mistakes sometimes in the house. Yeah. And I just, I just fired this up right here and boom, took care of it. You know, I also, I don't know if this was what it was intended for, but I also put it in my Bissell power cleaner and mm -hmm. I used, it, I used it as a solution in there and, and this was more affordable for me and it worked better. So, yeah. No, it works great. I mean, one of the big benefits of being in tablet form, you're reusing the bottle, so you're not throwing the bottle away. So a lot of the people that are very environmentally conscious, that's certainly a benefit. But you're also mixing it up fresh. So really, when you um, fill it up with water and put it in, it takes a few minutes to dissolve. It really is super powered, excellent. There you go. Mike, I find it very appropriate that you're wearing the the shirt of a dog peeing on a fire hydrant here to represent this. Oh, product. I missed that. It's brilliant. Yeah, Brad Kyle. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I sent some to. Speaking of Tom Clark with my glasses, um, I sent Tom some, 
he called me last week. He said, my wife loves this stuff. She thinks it's the most amazing product ever. She wants to make sure we can get more. She sprayed it on blood and, um, man, it's really pretty, pretty remarkable. Like if you see it on a shirt and you spray blood, it's like it will almost disappear right there without doing anything. Remember that movie with Jack Black? Vaporize. Remember that? You know, <laughs> Vaporize. But where does the poo go, man? Where does it go? <laughs> where does the blood go? <laughs> well, this is a great product. I've been using it for a few years. I, I've got just a, a beautiful little girl named Mimi dog now, and she goes outside all the time. But uh, I will tell you, this stuff comes in handy. And as she gets into those That's older rages, I'm ready to go here. Yeah, but you can you can use it on more than just pets. You can use it on blood, chocolate, wine. Uh, let's say you have an accident, Mike, and accidentally mm-hmm. beat bed or something like that. It would come in handy. Um, maybe you have too much to drink one night and True. something like that. It, it would work for uh, human protein situations as well. Yeah, well. and and Chris, next time you go to be a, a dog poop salesman. Let us know, and we'll get you one of those uh, those shirts, one of those Brad and Kyle shirts to wear. That. that would be the uniform. Yeah, well, you can stick like I mean, stick I, like a, a patch on it for branding, but uh, it'll it'll get the point across. I think you're, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, we're we actually are. So we you can find it on Amazon and Chewy. Um, you know, we're still you know for sale on some of those channels plus our our website. Um, so you should see the equipment. It's really pretty remarkable. I mean, down at our place, we've got a um, hundred, a little over about 110,000 total between the two buildings, our main building with the training center and manufacturing. Look at that. Um, we've got the sales pitch here for fission. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we've got all of that equipment in one building. And then over in our other building, we actually have all the equipment to make this. A lot of companies that, that have products like this, they farm it out, the manufacturing and production to someone else. Um, we've got all of the equipment to really to manage the powder and press the tablets. It's kind of a unique, um, a unique asset for us to have. I want to tell you a quick story. This is kind of cool for the people in your audience that watch Jackson Galaxy, the show on Animal Planet called My Cat from Hell. Do either of you know who Jackson Galaxy is? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is several years ago now, four or five years ago. uh, We show up Monday morning, and normally we'll have a handful of orders waiting for us. And this morning we showed up, and it was like 500 orders, some crazy number compared to normal. And we thought there was some mistake, like how could this be? And what we discovered is somebody had sent the product to Jackson Galaxy. He used it. And thought it was the best thing he ever used for cat urine. So on one of his shows, again, we didn't know about this. We didn't send it to him. We didn't pay him for this. But he's helping this couple with their cat. And there's cat pee everywhere. He's got the black light all in the kitchen. It looks like a horror show. There's pee all over the place. And then he goes, the best thing I've found for cat urine is a CO2 based. And he's holding a bottle of fission. And it was blurred out, but a lot of people went and looked and they kind of made the connection with CO2. And uh, so we've since made a deal with Jackson Galaxy. Um, He sells the uh, Jackson Galaxy branded version of the pet stain and odor remover. So um, pretty cool. I mean, for people that are cat fans, he's really like the superstar of cat, you know. So for someone like him, you can imagine all the products he's tried to use to have his endorsement, um, 
it's quite meaningful. And he did it long before we had any kind of business relationship. He just thought it was the best product. Have you uh, a <laughs> quick question here before we move on to this next product? Have you ever thought of reaching out to the people uh, involved in Tiger King and getting uh, getting your products involved in cleaning up tiger pee and tiger poop? Not yet. Good idea, Matt. Marketing genius. I like this. I'm on we fire have- these past couple of days. I'm on fire. <laughs> Good idea. Not yet. All right. No. All right mo- moving on. Um, yeah. You've got a special product here um, yeah. that were, I believe was inspired by what the world is going through right now. Ooh. And that's the uh, the micro striker here, right? Yeah. Yep. This is the starter kit with 50 tablets, two bottles. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about this product as I open it up. Well, we, um, we've actually been working on a disinfectant version of our tablet for the last uh, couple of years. And um, we've, as of the last nine months, we actually had um, an EPA consultant helping us. Uh, we became an EPA registered facility, uh, which has a lot of uh, intense requirements in terms of record keeping and, and uh, a lot of samples. So we had done these things. Um, and then when this coronavirus thing hit, um, we called this meeting early on before we shut down and we just we just had a big brainstorming meeting about all of the problems we thought bowling centers were going to face when they started to reopen. And we knew that the shared items, the house balls, uh, you know, the rental shoes, the items that are kind of shared by a lot of people would be an area of concern for customers. And that we were certain that bowling centers were going to have to change their behavior and disinfect the bowling balls, you know? So, you know, we quickly adapted the technology that we had already been working on to put together a product to help bowling centers. So, um, so yeah, so that's what, what MicroStriker is. It's a, um, it comes with a, the spray bottle here that, um, is a mister. Have you tried this bottle yet, Mike? The bottle's awesome. I just opened her up, but it looks like when I go to get my hair cut, when they spray, when they mist your hair and spray your hair, it looks that good. It's like one of those bottles that just has like a, when you pull the trigger once, it has an elongated kind of uh, mist. So, you know, you don't have to pull the trigger nearly as much. Funny story why it's purple. We designed it to be black. Um, but the, the bottle company right now, everybody's in a weird mode with coronavirus and they were out of everything. So they said, they wouldn't be able to have the black sprayers for us for eight to 10 weeks. We really wanted to have a solution for bowling centers much quicker than that. So they said, well, we can, we have some purple, pink, lavender in stock. We could get you. We're like, we'll go with purple, you know? So yeah, you put that in. So this is meant to be a, um, this is a hospital grade. I'll give you a too big of a sales pitch, but this is important. This is a hospital grade disinfectant. Mike, a lot of hospitals, this is a really kind of an important feature. They use disinfectants. Many of them use tablets that have a very short shelf life. Like they, you make it fresh and it might only last for a few hours or a day. And the reason for that is they have to be certain that the product is going to kill everything it's supposed to kill. So they use on-demand disinfecting type of products we thought a hospital grade product made a lot of sense for bowling centers. So there's two bottles in the kits. The tablets are, are, are very affordable and you make it each day because it has a short shelf life, but by making it fresh, you're certain that it is going to kill everything that it's supposed to be killing. Um, 
we were currently in the lab, uh, this lab, they added the coronavirus uh, test to make sure that you kill that. And we were one of the first in line to have them test to make sure that we kill that and everything else, C. diff and all of those other things. The process to become a, a, a product where you actually can call yourself a disinfectant is quite cumbersome. One of the rules is they actually require you to sell the product first without being called a disinfectant before you can call it a disinfectant. Um, so we're in the process to be allowed by the EPA to be called a disinfectant. Uh, it doesn't say that on the label, even though it is. Uh, we expect to have that in a couple months. Um, but yeah, it's a really good, easy to use uh, disinfectant. We started shipping a couple weeks ago. The bowling centers that have gotten it so far, we've gotten great, great feedback. One of the first ones called the next day was like, listen, I want to make sure you guys have tablets available all the time because this is very, very easy to use. It works great. I told you this when we talked our pre-meeting, Mike, about the name. I do think it's a funny story. So yeah, there's a lot of, of words you can't use until you become a disinfectant. Like you can't say kills on the package until you're officially a disinfectant. So we're trying to come up with names that were literal, you know, in terms of what it did that would also allow us. So we, we kind of let the people know what it was, um, but also comply with the rules. So I was talking to my son who just turned 13 and I was telling him about the product. And, um, you know, we told him we were coming up with a name and he, and he I told him what it does. He goes, so it it strikes the germs away, right, Dad? You know, he goes, call it germ striker, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's actually a pretty good name, Austin. So, you know, we had all of our employees kind of submit names. We had a big list of like 50 or 60, and then we have people vote. And germ striker won, you know, my son's name. It was kind of funny. He's been asking for his piece of the action. He's, a, I was, you know, I was, I was about to ask, is he getting any sort of royalties for playing a portion of coming up with this amazing product name? Yeah. I mean, well, he's getting lots of Lego sets from me, which aren't cheap. <laughs> yeah. But, that, was the other thing, that was the other thing I wanted to maybe do on the show was I was going to maybe have Kim join me and you could have your son on and we were going to buy the same Lego kit and we were going to start the show them building the kit and see who could win the contest but uh we weren't able to pull that one off for today we'll have to do that do that next time but um so we told the the epa consultant and he said you can't you can't have germ in the name so we had to change change the name and we went with micro because we're trying to um insinuate the kit kills small stuff again we we have kind of restrictions around what we can call it so uh yeah, we, I mean, listen, bowling centers are, um, you know, this is going to be an interesting period that they're going to have some challenges. I mean, uh, they certainly, obviously this first phase about whether they're allowed to open, but definitely making customers feel comfortable when they open. So, you know, products like this are an important part of that. Um, there really is, obviously they can buy disinfectants from Home Depot or the grocery store, you know. Um, but there is some things about the bowling ball that are unique. I mean, the lane oil, it, it is covered with lane oil and the lane oil does get in the way. And to really be certain that you're disinfecting the ball, the right way to do it would actually be clean it and then disinfect it. But because we make lane oil, we kind of understand the organic material and how to help the disinfectant um, maneuver around that material. So uh, we've got some 
um, adjustments to the formula that actually help it almost do two in one. You know, it actually kind of cleans and disinfects simultaneously. So there really is some specific um, features about the tablet that make it um, very, very much um, a, a good product to, to solve this specific problem. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, bowling centers can get this how? Through all the Kegel distributors nationwide. Okay. And, and, we, we sell, and all of our, like if you go to Kegel.net on our website and click distributors, all of our distributors are listed there. Um, most of the bowling centers that are potentially buy this, they have a good sense of who their distributor would be. Okay, cool. And then uh, if, would there be a reason why like just a normal person like me would want to order this for our, for their home or can they get it? Is it available online or anything like that? You know, we haven't set up uh, to, to do that, but um, it's possible. Mike, uh, one of the things that we're working on now is uh, we actually have a version of it that does not have the bowling kind of marketing with it. We were waiting until we actually had the disinfectant name, which is a couple months away before we really went after that. But we talked to a big janitorial supply uh, president of a company that we buy products from yesterday. And one of the things he made us aware of is that there's a big shortage of these chlorinated tablet disinfectants. And then a lot of them come from China and there's this big push to move away from Chinese uh, manufactured products towards American made products. And uh, he told me that, that they, his supplier said they can't get more of this until January. So for there to be um, American capacity to manufacture this type of product here could find really find a home um, with some companies. So we're, we're, Talking to some now, we can manufacture, you know, depending on uh, certain varos, between three and five million tablets a month. Um, so we've got a lot of capacity. And, you know, basically one of the first things we're looking to do is become contract manufacturing for someone else that's already in this game. That yeah. if there's really a shortage of supply and a lot of the supply is coming from overseas, if someone can get real consistent supply here domestically, you know, we've got some capacity that we could sell. Um, so that's really kind of the direction we're moving in a non-bowling to the consumer kind of an item. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, last item here, because I, I will have to leave the show here in about uh, five minutes or so. Um, but we've got this item here that you sent me. Could you explain to the folks at home what we have here? Yeah, that's called the uh, Bowling Buddies. Um, we... Um, yeah, we, we, what we called this was Project Lemonade that first day, Mike, where we were talking about a lot of the problems bowling centers were going to face and really um, trying to make customers feel comfortable in the bowling center. This is a product that actually has been on the market for three, four years. Uh, you guys both know Cameron Doyle, right? Mm -hmm. um, so his dad, Sean, um, they've got a couple lanes downstairs in their house. And uh, how the product came to life was uh, they had some friends over and he didn't have any rental shoes to give them. So, you know, they had this problem where he, he's not going to stock rental shoes at his home. So, you know, the idea was born there, which is, well, would it be great to have some kind of cover over your shoes, you know, where I can just come over in my sneakers and wear something that uh, is designed for the bowling approach. So he launched a product a few years ago and I had talked to Sean. Um, Mookie Betts bought a lane machine from us for his mansion, but his mansion wasn't done yet. So Mookie had us deliver the lane machine to Sean's house. 
you know? And uh, so we installed the lane machine with Mookie at Sean's house and Sean and I got talking that day and Sean's an orthodontist, you know, he's been doing this on his side. It's really his baby, but he was looking to partner with a bowling company that could really take over the sales and marketing and distribution, a lot of that stuff. So um, yeah, right when this coronavirus thing happened, I mean, I, I thought the product um, has enormous appeal, you know, because, you know, the rental shoes obviously there. I don't see this as a replacement to rental shoes. I see it really as an option. I mean, if you think about how much the bowling center would gain in their marketing to potential customers just by saying, hey, if you want to keep your sneakers on, you can. We have an option available now where you can use a product like this. And so far, what we've seen um, is the response from bowling centers has been really, really quite enormous, you know, because they, they see it as that exact solution, as an option. They want to make sure all their customers feel comfortable and to, um, you know, to have an option like this makes a lot of sense. So we, we ran into another issue, which was right at this time where we have a lot of demand. Um, the the uh, the supplier of this product it uses the same material as surgical masks, mm -hmm. so everybody's fighting for that material. So we've had to really uh, you know go through a, a lot of hoops to try to secure supply. So we've just got that sorted. We'll have we'll have inventory um, here in July, um, and we've already kind of got some pricing and information out to our distributors. Um, so yeah, I mean again, like we long term man, we, we, um, we got to help our bowling centers be healthy, you know, and anything we can do to help our bowling centers, you know, survive and thrive again, um, is a priority for us, you know? So both of these things really help solve problems for them that they're going to have. And, uh, you know, if they provide, um, a little sense of peace of mind and security for some of their customers to go bowling again, uh, then, then that's a good thing, you know? So, yeah. And if folks want to pick up some of this stuff, Lee just chimed in, our BowlerX, our sponsor of the poll question. You, know, you can pick up some of this stuff over at BowlerX.com as well. Um, Chris, I, I got to bounce. I got to get out of here. I got to go to the other show. Sure. Matt, Matt's going to take talking you. To you guys. Yeah, Matt. Well, Matt's going to take you home. Matt's going to okay. take you home here today. I've got a yep. list of questions with Matt, things I wanted to get to today. You, got, you guys can stay as long as you want, go as long as you want. Um, I appreciate you coming on the program here today, Chris. I really do. It's been fun. Have fun, Mike, and do a good job there with USB-C. I've been watching some of those. Those have been great, too. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Take them all, Matt. All righty, Chris. Well, well, now that Mike is gone, we can start having some fun here. And this is the portion of the show every Friday that I like to say. This is this is where we burn the show to the ground here. Um, and this is where we where this is where the stuff really starts to hit the fan. I've got this. Um, I've I've heard about some funny story involving you and Bull Expo and George Bush. Could you share that story with everybody? I've heard it's quite hilarious. I, I knew Mike. I was trying to think of kind of what some questions would come. I knew he was going to talk about the George Bush thing. Mike loves that story. It is better in video format, I think, than it would be like in podcast, just audio only. So uh, for several years, I served on the board of Billiards, the Billiard and Bowling Institute of America. Um, and then I was president. Uh, my final year is kind of how you work through being on the board. You, you, um, you're convention chair, then become vice president. And then your final year, you're president. So the year I was president, the BBIA was um, making a large donation. So I was invited at the big general session to come on stage and to present this check. 
So that happened to be the same year that George W. Bush was the keynote speaker. So only the speakers were allowed to be backstage. And there was, so it was John Harbuck, who was really kind of the ringleader, me, Barry Sanders, who was kind of the, and, and President George W. Bush, you know? So we go backstage and, and it's me and Barry Sanders kind of standing there. By the way, my wife's from Detroit and the biggest Barry Sanders fan in, of all time. So that was, she was really mad at me, very jealous. But they come over, the Secret Service comes over and they're like, listen guys, uh, you can't talk to him. You can't shake his hands. You can't ask him any questions. You can't go anywhere near him. You can't, you, none of that stuff. You stay over here, do your thing, and then move along. We're like, oh, okay, fine. You know, so me and Barry Sanders are kind of standing there and they've got this kind of roped off area in the back corner and I can hear him, you know, talking to people. His voice is very recognizable. You know, I can hear him talking. We're not expecting to see him. We're expecting to go on and be done before he comes out. And then all of a sudden he just pops out, you know, from the, the curtain, comes walking straight towards me and Barry Sanders, you know, walks right up to me, puts his hand out. He goes, George W. Bush, you know, I'm like, <laughs> hey, who you are, you know, and he was super cool. Um, you know, we, we got to take pictures with him. He was telling me about Putin. That was kind of funny. He's like, that son of a bitch, Putin. You know, it was, <laughs> it was a it was wild experience. So yeah, I've got a great great picture from that. But uh, it was an interesting interesting moment. Fun fun story. Definitely a great memory. You know, to show the kids. You know, they met the president. That's yeah. That's that's an incredible story. One I'm sure you'll yeah. never forget. Um, yeah, not only meeting great. Barry Sanders, but meeting George Bush. That's that's amazing. I want to switch gears a little bit go back to talking a little bit more about business and more personal for you. You became CEO at a very young age. What was that journey like and what helped you become uh, so successful at such a young age? Uh, I drew the short straw when we were drawing straws. Um, <laughs> no, I, it was just uh, circumstances really more than anything. Um, I mean, when I got the job at Kegel, it was really right place, right time. Uh, Kegel had sold machines to DBA. They had made machines and sold them under the DBA brand. When Brunswick bought DBA, Kegel made the decision to launch machines with their own brand on them. Um, and that was, you know, right around the time I was a year out of college. So Kegel needed to, you know, launch their brand, set up distribution and do all of that sales and marketing. And, um, and, you know, John Davis gave me the opportunity to work on that at a really young age. I mean, I was 23 um, setting up the worldwide distribution network for Kegel. So um, so I got a lot of really incredible experience very, very early on. I remember telling John Davis, John, I have no idea how to do this. You know, like I've never done this before. And he said, uh, neither do we. We'll figure it out together. You know, uh, your instincts are good and I trust your judgment. And so I was like really, really lucky to um, most of the time when you're that age, you're behind someone else that's doing all of that work and you are kind of learning behind them along the way. Um, and it just um, yeah, I just got that experience. And then John in 2010, um, you know, he was taking care of his wife. I had been there 11 years at that point. I was 30, when was this, 2000, yeah, 34. And um, so he was not coming into the office because he was staying home, taking care of his wife. 
And there was a real absence of, uh, there were a lot of vice presidents and there was a real absence of kind of one voice kind of leading um, the team internally. And because we didn't have that, I just started calling those meetings and started getting the team together. And John, you know, would tell me that he was waiting for someone to do that, you know, that he knew that someone would ultimately kind of recognize that that was needed and emerge. So, yes, I became president in 2010. Um, and uh, rest, yeah, it's really history now. I mean, uh, I've been CEO since 2016. Um, when John passed, we lost John uh, early 2013. Um, you know, that was tough. I mean, he was someone that was a great mentor. I learned so much from him, um, how he uh, treated customers, how he cared about the industry, how he cared about his employees were all, all values that are firmly instilled in me and, and we carry forward daily and how we run the company. But I would go over to his house once every two weeks and I would tell him what was going on and we would talk about what we're doing. And he would always agree, like he would never uh, disagree and say, no, I think you should go left, not right. Um, but when we didn't have him there anymore, um, I felt a real vulnerability. You know, he wasn't there. And even though he was always just kind of saying yes to what we were doing anyways, to not have him there to reinforce that you were doing the right thing felt a, a little scary. Um, so I chose to go get my MBA at that point just to really try to put as many tools in my toolbox as possible, you know, really try to help me as much as I could. So um, that was a great experience. I learned a lot, a lot from that. And, and uh, I've, for those that, that are kind of thinking about MBA, I, I am a firm believer of kind of waiting till you've worked a little bit to learn that because having a, a real world kind of setting to apply a lot of those things, uh, those tools and a lot of that knowledge too really makes a huge difference. I, I, I got a lot out of it. Um, so I don't know that answer your question. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Chris. We had a great talk today. You do a lot for the sport of bowling. And as a bowler, as someone who's transitioned more into the business side of things, I really appreciate people like yourself, not only doing what you do, but coming out and being willing to share your knowledge and your expertise with everybody to um, really, and, and your understanding for, the fact that if we as a sport win, everybody wins. And it's not everybody just trying to duke it out, but yet trying to collaborate together and see how we as a sport can grow together. Um, this way, everybody's piece of the pie gets bigger together and we all win. Yeah. Yeah, I'll leave you with this thought. Um, you ever see the movie A Beautiful Mind, John Nash? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, John, it's called the Nash's Equilibrium, I think. You know, in the movie, there's that scene where the previous prevailing thought is that in order for members of a group to be better off, that each member of the group needs to pursue their own best interest. And Nash kind of discovered his insight was that's right, but it's incomplete. You know, every member of the group needs to pursue their own best interest and what's best for the group in order for the group to be best off. And um, I think of that a lot right now. Because it's easy right now to think about all of the risks and all of the, the uncertainty that every business is facing. We all are. And um, 
So, but decisions really have to be made right now through that lens of what's best for me and my partners, what's best for me and my customers and what's best for me and the industry overall. Um, it has to, they have to be thought about that way because we all need each other, you know, to, uh, to be successful. And, you know, in a situation like this, one of the things that we don't have as experience, none of us do. Um, so I think uh, we really have to lean on our values um, to really help guide us through it. So um, that is something I, I, you know, aren't just nice words, something I really, uh, they guide our decisions and they guide kind of uh, the directions that we, we go and, you know, the decisions we, we make. We recently kind of extended our warranty for lane machines, you know, just, you know, if you're constantly kind of putting yourself in the shoes of customers and thinking about their problems too, um, some of those thoughts come, come pretty easily. Wow. Well, that's, that's amazing, Chris. Uh, I think, I think our time is up for today. So I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show, taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. And, uh, as we continue on with the show, we're definitely going to have to have you on again to talk more about the sport of bowling and just life at life as a whole. So thanks a lot, Chris. I'd, I'd love that. I enjoyed it. You guys keep up the good work. Thanks. Chris. Right. We appreciate it. Take, Take care. care. All righty, folks. Well, there you have it. Episode number 35 is in the books. Uh, Chris Sharchand, what an awesome individual for not only just the sport of bowling, but for business just in general, trying to expand out and uh, expand the horizons of the sport of bowling and grow the sport of bowling. So we really appreciate him coming on. Make sure you guys head on over to the USBC Facebook page as they are going live right now with our business partners, Brad and Kyle, um, and Mike as well. So go over, check on, uh, check out that show. It's going to be an incredible show today. Also, on Monday, we've got Chad Murphy as our guest. So come on, hang out with us on Monday at our usual time of 1 p.m. Eastern um, to see what questions we'll have for Chad Murphy and hopefully hear some great answers like always. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. We hope you guys have a great, safe weekend. Take care, and we'll see you on Monday.